Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management and marketing professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. Today, we have one of my favorite instructors, one of my, I guess, 12 favorite instructors, so I don't get in trouble here, but uh, Diane Pearson. Diane, welcome. Thanks, Rebecca. Glad to be here. And you are my favorite marketer. Aw, thanks. So, Diane, can you tell us a little bit? You're one of the newer instructors on our team, and you bring a ton of experience to the table. Can you talk a little bit about your background? Sure, Rebecca. So, my background is in data and analytics, software as a service, and digital publishing. I've done that throughout the country, around the world, and my specialty specifically was to identify the challenges that an organization was facing on growing promising products or services, and whether that meant globalizing them or reaching the market in a different way or realigning the team around a more effective way to scale. That's what I did. And so I started out in in product management, but I also led operations and sales and even a couple small divisions in my own company. So I've been all over the organization and I bring that viewpoint, understanding other people's areas of the organization, their motivations. And I think that that has helped me get some insight into how different departments work together well and and where sometimes that communication breaks down and causes problems. That's great. And one of the things we want to talk about today, the main thing we want to talk about today is um, I think something you've probably experienced a bunch in your career, right? So you come in, you're going to start a product group, you're going to organize a new team around a a product market-centric approach, and you've really got to get everyone on board. And not only does that mean your team down and your peers, but it means the CEO. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, product leaders and product teams are, are pros at delighting the market. I mean, they go out and find market problems and solve them. And so they're excellent at listening to the market and translating that into a solution. The big question is, though, so when we're so good at that, why are we always butting heads with our CEO? (laughs) And we are. I mean, it's just it's the nature of the beast. And I put a lot of thought into that both during my career and now as an instructor. And I've got some thoughts on how to onboard your CEO and whether you report directly to the CEO or we're talking about the VP of your organization, the VP of your department, whether we're talking about the VP of your department or we're talking about your investors or your board, whoever it is who you need to onboard in order to get to do what you want to do and not butt mm-hmm. heads anymore. So so that's the that was the thought process I, I went through and, and that those are the ideas I came up with. Well and I think it's really interesting because I, I your main point is that like you can delight both the market and your executive team. You don't have to pick. It's not one or the other, right? And I know you have five steps for onboarding the CEO, which seems so manageable. I feel like I could do five steps. Not the ten thousand I'm supposed to a day, but five I feel like I could do. Well, in the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So if you can take five, think how far you are down that path. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, so the first step in getting my CEO or my executive team or my investors to your point bought in, what is the first step? Well, the first step seems like trust. And I like to start with trust because it's one of the most overused words and it's one of the points of biggest frustration between the CEO and the product leader. And we frequently hear, after all arguments are exhausted, 
well, just trust me, okay? Or, you know what, they don't trust me. And the word trust is, is too fraught with meaning. And what I like to say here at step number one is, look, you were hired into the organization through probably a very painful and protracted vetting process. <laughs> it took a while to get you in there. And if you're in there and you're telling the truth and you're keeping company information confidential and you're not stealing other people's lunches, <laughs> you are trusted. Check that box. So let's stop using the word trust because your CEO trusts you. And hopefully, if you took this job, you trust your CEO. The question is, are you in sync? That takes us to step number two, which is understanding. Now, step number two is all about understanding the person behind the title. So chances are, if you're the product lead and this is the CEO, you interviewed with this person, you've had some conversations, but the importance here is to find out how are you two gonna work together? And that means onboarding that person so that you understand how does this person like to communicate? Does the CEO, is, is the CEO an email person, a text person? Uh, does this person like to meet over coffee in the morning or want to sit around and, and shoot the bull at six at night? Now, unfortunately, sometimes I, I know I've worked for people where I'm a morning person and my CEO has been an evening person. Uh, in particular, uh, one woman I worked with just a few years ago, she just really hit her stride at seven o'clock at night. And that was about when my brain was shutting down. <laughs> it was important for me to get to her at that time of day. And so a couple days a week, I would come in a little bit later and stay a little bit later. And, and while that didn't improve 100% my ability to just be charging at that time of day, it helped a little bit. And it was when her thought process was most open and active. So Getting to know how to communicate with this person is critical. So understanding the CEO as a person is that step number two to onboarding your CEO. And that's really interesting. It, it reminds me a lot of, of what you guys teach in, in the market and launch course, right? It's understanding your buyers is one of the things that you do in product marketing all the time. How do they like to communicate? Where are they? What terms do they use? And it feels like it's a very similar thing here in understanding uh, the executives and leadership teams that you're going to be working with. Rebecca, you are so right. We are so adept as product teams at, at reaching the market and listening to the market we sometimes forget to bring those skills inside our own organizations and use them effectively internally. So absolutely. I also find that, and this is maybe a personal failing uh, of which I'm working on, but I, you know, I spend so much time listening to the market that I forget that some of that knowledge resides in my head and I can't assume that they, they come from the same point of view as I do, that they have all the context I have and that's on me. Uh, to provide it to them. But it still sometimes seems like, how can they not see this super obvious answer on the wall? Oh, that's right. I haven't given them the same <laughs> level of information. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. All right. So we talked about trust, which is really, you know, are you in sync? Then there's understanding. What is the third step in onboarding our CEO? Step number three is alignment. And it's honing that understanding that you have for the individual you're working with, that CEO, and now thinking about what's important to the company. And one of the things I think we bring to the table as product leaders when we come into a new organization is that, that implication that we've got to come in and do something totally different. 
and drive the business in a bold new direction. Sometimes we're even told that in our interviews. I mean, we, we hear a lot and we get very excited about, we want somebody who's entrepreneurial and we want you to be the mini CEO of your product. And we hear that and, and believe it. <laughs> and I hope you heard the air quotes around that because the CEO or the, the individuals we interview with, they mean it. But what they mean first and foremost is we need you to drive the goals that we've already set, the strategy of the organization as a whole, our position in the market, the, the platforms we're already building on, the company priorities. Mm. And that's not to say that these new directions don't come. It's just when you're onboarding your CEO, you get there in steps. And so you understand this individual you're working with, and then you understand the organization as it is today, and you start expressing what needs to be done within the organization itself. And that's where the timing of alignment is so critical. It's it's not that eventually we're not going to get to those steps. And when we get to step four and five, we're going to start talking about them. But right now, it's all about what's important to the organization and how can I drive those goals. So alignment is step number three. Excellent. So it's talking about, too, what you want to achieve, not only in the way that they like to hear information, like we talked in step number two, but in the language that aligns it to the overall strategic and corporate goals. Yes, indeed. Awesome. All right. So I'm trusted and I'm not stealing from the lunchroom. I have a good understanding of the, the people I'm talking to, right? What makes them tick, how they like to communicate all those things. I understand what they're trying to achieve. What's step four? Step four is autonomy, and this is where it starts to get fun, because once you've expressed that understanding of what the organization is trying to do now, and you've been able to do that because you can communicate with the CEO in the method and the framework that, that he or she wants, now you're proving that you can achieve within those lines. And it's all about at this particular moment in time, doing what the organization needs based on the direction it's got set today. So there may be small changes, process improvements, or tweaks to the way you take a product to market, or maybe even a reprioritization of the existing feature backlog. But whatever those things are, what can you do within the lines of what you've learned about the organization and how you're aligned with your CEO in order to achieve within them? I'll tell you a story. Um, I started my first big role. It was it was a managing director role with an organization, and there were all sorts of opportunities. And as I looked around personally, I saw you know there is a there's a huge opportunity to take this product to a different market and make a fortune. And when I had come in, I assumed that was my role was to come in and and take us bold new directions. And in my conversations with my CEO, who was my who was my boss. We kept coming back to the, the feature backlog and I, I kept thinking, well, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, that feature backlog, we got to get to that someday, but that's, you know, that's tactical and, and, but he kept bringing it up and I kept not listening and it finally dawned on me, you know, he wants me to tackle this feature backlog and, and it turns out that our existing customer base, which was very stable and was providing a, a wonderful stable revenue stream for this product was the customer base was not pleased and it really did need to have it have it going over. We really needed to look at that feature backlog because our existing customer base was at risk. And 
Once that dawned on me, (laughs) I started running that project conjointly with the project to launch the product into a new market. And I didn't get to that as quickly as I thought I would. I didn't meet the goals and milestones I'd set out for that. But I made my CEO happy and I aligned myself with his needs and the organization's needs. And I got both of those activities done and got a lot more support, frankly, for the new market launch than I ever would have if I hadn't just listened and gotten things done that needed to be done based on the organizational and and the executive needs at the time. I think that's a really good point, right? The, the demonstrating within an area that they already see a need or comfort and you build, um, you know, I don't want to go back to using trust again, but what they see is they have confidence in you because worked within their environment. I know when, uh, when I start in a new marketing company, right, I, I tend to be sort of a turnaround specialist where there isn't much marketing in place and, and I can start there and I can see the vision of the brand new place that we need to be. But I can't just come in tomorrow and be like, so you're doing everything wrong and we need a brand new logo and the colors should be, you know, fuchsia, not not navy or whatever. Right. I mean, it's a it's a it's a bunch of incremental changes to get them there. And the more that they see the success of that along the way, the more freedom at the end. If I come in and say to them, drastic change, they're like, oh, OK, you know, because because they they've seen the results. They know I understand what I'm talking about and that I understand their needs and that sort of earn the right to do the larger leaps later. And Rebecca, you teed up the fifth step just perfectly. And that's the reward of getting all that leverage. Because when you're proving this concept that, yes, I understand what the priorities of the organization are right now and the strategy that we've got in place, I know how to work with my CEO and what his or her perspective is, once you have that and you've proven through your autonomy that you can color within those lines, that you can achieve within that framework, then all of a sudden you are set free in a much quicker and more effective way to become the leverage your CEO did hire you for in the first place to go get things done and take the organization in new directions. The organization as a whole, not just your CEO, trusts you and and understands that you've made an investment in getting to know them and helping them. All the things we say to the market, that give to get mentality, that that speaking in their voice, you've brought that to bear on, on the existing situation internally. And now you are the lever for success. You are the one the CEO looks to and says, hey, would you go look into that for me or I have this idea, or if you've got an idea, they say, yeah, you know what, run with that. I don't even need to know. You know, run with that. Come back to me later and tell me, because you are part of the organization. You have successfully onboarded your executive in order to be able to make that difference yourself and and free that power, transition it from them to you, willingly. Powerful place to be, too. So you kind of talk about three ways to begin in this area. Can you, can you, expand a little bit on those? I can, because a lot of people who we're talking to today are probably thinking, well, I'm already here. Now what do I do? (laughs) I kind of went that route and, uh, you know, I've been there just, oh, oops, uh, I I probably need to do a little resetting here. And, And there are three ways to begin. And you'll maybe try all three of these ways in order to discover what works with the CEO that you're interacting with, the one that you're trying to onboard. The first one, number one, is what I call pitch a tent. 
And that is, you can speak to the CEO. If you're having trouble with the responsibility, you know, you're not getting enough responsibility or you feel like you're being stifled, approach your CEO if you've already got a good relationship and say, hey, you know what? Uh, we just we just started to talk about initiative A, and, and I'm really interested in that. And, and by the way, you know my background is specifically there. How would you feel if we put me in charge of the making the decisions on that? If I were, in fact, the mini CEO of that initiative, how would that work for you? And, and we just pitch a tent over that initiative and see how it goes. And, and you know, you're, you're letting me know and guiding me from the outside, but what do you think about pitching a tent over this one? And, and for some, that's, you know, if it's a, a low enough risk, a low enough profile, you get that whole area to prove concept. Now, idea number two is what I call plant a seed and watch it grow. Start bringing information that is aligned with the corporate goals, ideas or efforts or even discussions you're having with others in the organization. Start sharing those with your CEO. So if you go down and have a discussion with the development team about, oh, there are three or four big items that, well, you know, they should have been part of scrums a couple months ago, but they're, they're just having difficulty figuring out exactly how to solve them. Maybe you volunteer to go out and talk to the market and find out a few more specifics in order to facilitate or clarify what it is that would take those off of the backlog and get them out into the market. And that's a way to prove, hmm, you know what? She's really thinking about what's important to us now. It's a step toward trust. So you plant that seed and wait for it to grow. The third way is view and validate. And view and validate to me is watch and listen to the CEO. Observe when is the CEO in his or her office? You know, when, when does it appear that, that she's got some downtime? How does she volunteer communications? Is, is she somebody who loves to do those, those you know, end-of-week meetings in the cafeteria with everybody? Or is, is she more of a, a summary-of-my-week person? Or does she like numbers? Or, or does she like anecdotes? View and validate. If you see a behavior, replicate it and see if it works. Is it more effective than the way you've been trying to communicate or the time you've been trying to communicate before? And so all of those can be used together. They can be used serially, sequentially, but give them a try. And that way you can start this process even if you're already in the middle of an existing job or an existing interview process or, or maybe even a troubled relationship. Well, that's powerful advice, right? It's not, you don't have to just say, well, I burnt the bridges here and, and now, I'm, now I'm done. You can always repair. That's true with every relationship, right? It's true with every relationship. And when we're talking about a business relationship, it's, you know, in addition to an emotional bond, which there certainly is, there is that financial bond. I mean, if you've been hired for a role, it's very expensive to exit you out of a role and replace you. And, and certainly for you personally, you know, if, if I'm thinking about where I was in my career, uh, you know, I certainly, if I, if I enjoy the role and I wanted to do it in the first place, I want to get to that point where I've got that, you know, where I am that leverage for the CEO. So going through these steps for me is, is going to achieve a very real goal, which is to enable me to do the things I want to do for the business, the things that I was probably hired to do in the first place, but have to get through these steps, these onboarding steps first. And 
believe me, even if they haven't articulated it, and, and many times the CEO doesn't, they want you to go through these processes. They want you to get aligned. They want to be aligned to you. They want to leverage you. There was a reason you were hired. People were excited about you. You got the job over a lot of other folks. You can achieve. So yeah, even if it's even if it's a little bit late in the game, give it a try. And, and even if it doesn't work at the current job, it will certainly work next time. So having a little practice never hurts. And I think, and you touched upon this in the beginning, and I, I think this is one of your main points here, is the understanding it's important, right? Making time for it. Just like we teach about making time for the market and how critical that is, you have to make time for this. You have to make time to understand them, to make sure you're aligned, to communicate um, in ways to do that. And it can be very hard, I think, um, you know, as a profession, we all know where we fight a lot of fires. And so it can feel like I could be doing something instead of positioning it internally, right? That can feel like a waste, but it's not. It's critical. And it's what allows you to do those other pieces. That's that's for sure, Rebecca. It's, it's something that's so critical and so change affecting. I mean, it, it moves the needle so much. I say to people every time I have this discussion that these are skills that you bring to the table. These are the skills that you're strongest at. You're, you're strongest at, at going out. We're, as product teams, we are all strongest at finding the market problem and satisfying it. That's how we drive value in our organizations. And it's important to remember, as the product leaders, that our CEOs are the first market we must succeed with. Mm, that's powerful. Well, thank you. And, and, you know, thank you so much for your time today. I, I love doing the podcasts and I wish everybody well with this, this process and this endeavor. All right. Thank you so much, Diane. It was a pleasure to have you and I hope you'll join us again. That does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.